listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you, the song, Shout to the Lord. Thank you, Chad. He did a, a tremendous job. You know, nothing compares to his promise, no matter what it looks like around us. And it can look pretty daunting around us at times. Some might even say that, that the circumstance surrounding us as a nation, maybe let's be a little bit more specific, us as followers of Jesus in this particular nation might look a little, a little bizarre, a little, a little concerning. Maybe we're starting to wonder, maybe even, if, even uh, uh, falling over into that land we're not supposed to be in, which is worry. And so maybe things are challenging for you today. And if that's the case, then I'm glad you're here. You see, two weeks ago, we started looking at this little Old Testament book called Lamentations. And, and as you have already read and you have already uh, uh, sat and, and, and tried to understand, this little book is very depressing it, because it is a, a little book of five poems of the, the weepings of who we believe to be the prophet Jeremiah surrounding the events of Babylon coming in and under God's hand of judgment, destroying Jerusalem, the temple, and deporting over the course of about 15 years all of the people that were of any worth to anybody 700 miles away into captivity to the land of Babylon. And so what Lamentations is, it's a little book of five poems where the prophet's saying, God, you told us what you were going to do. You, you, you warned us about these things that were to come and you continued and you continued to be long suffering and loving and you, you, you held back your anger. You held back your wrath and you told us if we didn't repent, if we didn't turn back to you, that these things would unfold. And now I've had the, 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 the horrible privilege of watching it unfold before my eyes. And most believe that Jeremiah wrote these poems as the embers of Jerusalem were still smoldering. As people were still crying and, 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 and people were still in agony wondering, has God forgotten us? And is he just through with the people that he's called by his own name? The first week we, we kind of allowed Jeremiah to speak for us. In his sadness, we said, you know what, we, we too fall into times of great sadness, great burden. And, and, and we said that in the world in which we live in, sadness and, and, and despair and, and the feelings that, 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 that I don't know where to turn and I don't know what to do, they're unavoidable. They're going to come to us and, and there's no way around it. And, and what we can do is, is just at times embrace it and allow God to meet us where we are. And give us the opportunity to experience Him even in the sadness. Because sometimes sadness comes and stays a while and that doesn't mean that God is absent. We're going to learn more about that today. But He does promise to walk with us. He does promise to allow us to experience Him even in times of great difficulty. Then last week we looked at a couple of the poems. Well, actually, we didn't have time to look at them because I wanted to teach you about the Old Testament history and I actually ran out of time to even read the poems. But you got the message that chapters 2 and 4, poems 2 and 4, represented Jeremiah looking around and just being honest with the fact that, look, what we are experiencing is our own fault because way back when, hundreds of years ago, on the other side of the Jordan River, God said, do you understand that as it applies to this conditional covenant that I'm making with you that's represented by the law, do you understand that I have a purpose for this nation and that if you'll obey me and you'll walk with me under these commands 
then I'll bless you. But if you turn your back on me, if you break your promise, then I'll have no choice but to bring about consequences in the life of the nation that I love. And they said, yes, sir, we understand. Didn't have anything to do with the unconditional covenants, the things that promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. It didn't have anything to do with those. These were the the conditional covenant of law. And they said, yes, sir, we understand. And then for centuries, they wandered back and forth, more back than forth. They found themselves having turned their back on God and his cup of long-suffering ultimately filled. And he brought those consequences that we did read from Deuteronomy chapter number 28, or at least many of them he brought because he's a faithful God, not only to do the things that he promises to do when they benefit us to our desire, but he's faithful to keep his promises even when that involves consequences. But thank God, God meets us even with the consequences and through repentance and confession will allow us re-entry into fellowship with him. Not in the family, we were never out of the family, but we're brought back into fellowship through confession and repentance. Today we want to finish up this little book of poems as we look at poem number three and poem number five. I think what Jeremiah does in these poems is he goes from the national, where he had been in in poem one, two, and four, and he makes this now more personal. And so I just want us to kind of think, if you will, about when we are trying to walk faithfully with our Lord, and yet we find ourselves in times of great difficulty. When we find ourselves under what feels like the hand, the foot, the thumb of God. And yet we're trying to walk with Him. Because who in the nation was trying to walk more closely with God than the prophet Jeremiah, who had been faithful to communicate, who had been faithful to preach the things that God had given him to say, and yet he was rejected time and time again. And still he suffered along with those who were guilty and deserving. So we're going to see this idea of the faithful in darkness finding hope and having that hope upon which to lean and pursue and with confident assurance press on. We're going to see the righteous who suffer. We're going to see hope over despair, and then finally we're going to see a prayer of endurance. Let's look at Lamentations chapter number 3. We've gone from the, the corporate to now he's getting very personal. He's writing from his personal view. This is how he feels. He's not speaking for the city. He's not speaking on behalf of the people. Now he's talking about himself. The righteous prophet, having suffered at the hands of the judgment of God. Lamentations chapter 3. He says, I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the, uh, from the rod of the Lord's anger. Listen to these things he said about, uh, about me. He's led me into darkness, shutting out all the light. He's turned all his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He's broken my bones. He's besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He's buried me in a dark place like uh, those long dead. He's walked me in and I cannot escape. He's bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He's blocked my way with a high stone wall. He's made my road crooked. He's hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He's dragged me off the path and tore me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He's drawn his bow and he's made me the target of his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He's filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. 
He's made me chew on gravel. He's rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away, and I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cried out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. You hear the prophet? Now he's getting real personal. You see, when we look at the things around us, there are, there's, there's healthiness in just seeing circumstances and just, and just seeing the things that are going on and, and go, you know what? I, I'm going to try to see this through the lens of God. And we begin to scour the scriptures and try to understand our, our newspaper through the scripture. You don't understand the scripture through the newspaper. You understand the newspaper. Well, y'all don't read those anymore. You understand what you see online, the news that you watch. Or on the, you, you understand that through the scripture. And, and, and it's, it's great to, to back up and say, okay, I think I can kind of see maybe what's happening. Let, let me give you a nugget. This is for free. I won't charge you for this. Whenever anybody says this thing that's happening in our world today is this right here that's, that's mentioned right here in this book, this thing is this thing, be real cautious. You know, because here's the thing. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. If God wanted us to know what that thing was and it was this thing, there'd be no ambiguity in it at all. All of the things in here could have been a lot of things going on in our world. So don't listen to that. But do look at it and go, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I see what's happening now. I see things are coming into play because the stuff that God says here, I'm seeing that shadows and and likenesses of that all over the place and and we look at it that way and that's healthy but sometimes we got to look at and be honest about how we feel if we were to go around and and we were to pass the mic around publicly chances are great that we'd put on some sort of facade and we would we would talk about how we see the world around us and it'd be very theological and very biblical and very strong and and but but if we were on a road trip individually and we were sitting side by side and we had eight twelve hours to talk just you might begin to share how you really feel and you might begin to share things like i just man i can remember Years ago, I was happier than I am right now. I'm just, I don't know. I just kind of feel like that I'm, I'm under God's time. I see what he's doing, and I watch what's happening in our nation. I just kind of feel like that, that I'm crying out, and he's not hearing me. I feel like that, that I'm praying, and I'm, I'm seeking him, and I'm asking him to do things, and it's just not happening. I just got to be honest. Sometimes I wonder where God's at. That's what Jeremiah was doing right here. What we see right here is the picture of the righteous suffering faithful jeremiah suffered along with the guilty community the babylonians that came in and wreaked havoc on on judah and jerusalem guess who also felt the hand of god's judgment the righteous we've got this idea that somehow god's going to judge everybody we've got a, it's a it's an egypt theology that we have because in some of the plagues not all of them but some of the plagues you know how the egypt experienced the plagues but it was like israel uh, over here in the slave quarters they weren't experienced it wasn't all of them it was only some of them but we've got this idea that when god brings judgment on sin and he always does that somehow if we're a follower of jesus we're going to be in the bubble and the bubble is going to keep us from experiencing the great difficulty if that's the truth then God owes Paul and Peter and John and Luke and all of those guys in the first he owes them a huge apology and not only that Jesus was lying when he said if you follow me you're going to experience great difficulty they're going to hate you because they hate me you know what we need to be thinking about not about what things are going to be stripped from us as Americans we need to be thinking about how we're going to stand as Christians when the free speech stuff 
really doesn't have anything to do with who we are as Americans, but about what we can and cannot say as a follower of Jesus. We need to be thinking about what we're going to be willing to suffer in order to continue to say the things that God has said in love and, and with a desire to draw men and women to himself. But we got to be ready to think about how we might suffer as followers of Christ. Because guess what? I used to say that could come someday. But I'm just telling you, you read the same articles I read. It's right here. And we better be ready. We got to be ready. Or we'll just have to shut our mouths and crawl under a rock. But I kind of want to be like one of those apostles who were under the rock until they saw the risen Christ and then they said, you know what? If he got up, then I'm just going to take my chances that he's going to raise me too. And they went out with boldness, fearlessness. Come get me if you want. That's a great idea to have. Let's not make it more about our firearms than our faith. Amen? I thought that was right. Amen. Chew on it a little while. It'll taste better after it gets soft. Faithful Jeremiah suffered along with the community. And you know what he never did? He never disconnected himself from the community. Now, before we get too far, you you can't look at America like you look at Israel, okay? Okay, Israel was a nation that God created, God established, and then he gave them them promises that were unconditional, and then he gave them requirements— so that they might obey those requirements and the nation of Israel was a beacon that was to say, come and see what it looks like for a people who will listen to and follow God. So Israel's job was to cry out, come and see. And then when they didn't present something worthy of seeing, what did God do? He squashed that and then he established the church. He didn't establish America. He established the church. And the church's job is not to say, come and see. I know that's countercultural to our thought on church. We need to invite folks to come into church to see and hear. That's really not our job. This right here is to get you all geeked up so that you can go and tell. That's the responsibility of the church. Go and tell, not come and see. So don't think about America as an idea of come and see what God is doing in the United States because that's not what America is about. At least it's not in God's economy. It's a wonderful place, the greatest country in the world, I believe. And I love our freedoms, and I I want us to stand for them. But we're not a come and see. We're just in a free part of the world that's a part of the go-and-tell crowd. I want you to notice, Jeremiah never disconnected himself from the community. When God chooses to judge nations, guess who also feel the, 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 the ramifications of that judgment? The righteous in those rooms. Does it mean God's mad at us? No. Does it mean that God is done with us? No, does it mean that God is, is you know, that, that, that we're, we're under some kind of, uh, 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 of, of, of great purging? No. In fact, the opposite is true. When the persecution level rises, guess what begins to shine brightest? The gospel. Guess what begins to become stronger? The church. You know why? Because the fringe is no longer counted. The fringe are the folks that that go to church occasionally and have the stickers and the t-shirts and all that, but their faith is shallow. When the persecution elevates, guess what happens? We find out how deep the roots go. But when you get a bunch of deep-rooted folks around, that's what Jesus said the gates of hell cannot stand against because those folks have decided that, you know what, we're a part of it. We're in this community. We're going to feel this. But you know what we're going to feel it as? We're going to feel it as a workout preparing us to get going because things are about to get real fun for those that have a message that people are going to want to hear. Does that make sense? Okay. The righteous suffered, so Jeremiah. But I want you to think about another who suffered. Faithful Jesus. 
not only suffered along with the community, and he did in his incarnation, but faithful Jesus suffered for guilty humanity. So when we suffer, we can look and go, you know what? This is not something to look and feel with disdain. This is not to hold God in contempt. How dare you let my life be difficult when our own Savior experienced great difficulty? We had the opportunity to go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Righteous suffering does what? It brings glory to God. Because nothing glorified God any more than the righteous son hanging between heaven and earth, paying for your sin and my sin, suffering not only with us, but for us. And not just identifying himself with the community, but identifying himself with you and me, 1 Corinthians says, becoming sin for you and me. And then suffering. The faithful Jesus suffered for guilty humanity by intentionally connecting himself to us. Now listen, faithful believers suffer along with this broken world in 2020. And at times, faithful believers suffer in spite of their faithfulness to Christ. And sometimes faithful believers suffer because of their faithfulness to Christ. I don't want to suffer. Neither do you. Jesus says, expect it. Count on it. And be prepared to walk in hope. What hope, Pastor Kevin? Glad you asked. Jeremiah saw it centuries and centuries ago. Lamentations 3.21. Yet I dare to hope when I remember all of the things that I've said, when I remember this, I dare to keep on hoping. And these are the verses that you all know so well. He says, I hope because I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him. So it is Uh, to those who search for him so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord and it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline Jeremiah goes all 20 those first 20 verses of chapter 3 man I'm 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 beat down i'm broken i've left been left for dead i cry out he don't hear me i got things going on around me that i don't understand i I don't i don't understand why i'm feeling this and i'm under this and why god why are you doing this and and yet i know why you're doing that and i'm experiencing too but even in this with it smoldering and it's smoking and it broken down and everything around me having no idea what we're going to do at the next turn he says but i remember this And I have hope in this because I remember the Lord's loyal love for me. His steadfast love that, if you'll remember, unconditional. Remember last week? We we, we took all that time talking about the unconditional promises, the things that God has said that nothing will ever change. And then you've got the conditional promises. Thou shalt not, you shall not, if you do, then I will, if you won't, then I won't. All of those, those are conditional. And you obey these things, if Israel did, then there were blessings. If you disobey, there were cursings. But then there were these things over here that, that, look, wouldn't matter because it don't depend on you know how. This is about what God has said and he's going to do. And Jeremiah goes, I start remembering the things that God has said. I know what he promised he'd do. And man, are we feeling it. But I remember. The reason I have hope 
is because I remember what God has said that depends only on him and doesn't have anything to do with me. I remember of his steadfast love, his, if you want to say it this way, let's all clear, <clears throat> clear your throat real quick. Hey, got it clear? All right. You got you to go like that. Hesed. Can you do that? Well, you might. COVID. I'm sorry. Cover it. Hesed. That's God's loyal love. That's a love that won't go away from his people because he has decided on his own to love you no matter what. Now, you can change my mind as it applies to loyalty. You can hurt me. You can, you can do to me. And, and I very white might go, you know what? I'm done with you. Write you off. But you cannot do that to God. You know why? Because what he says is true, never changes. And his loyalty to you and to me depends on him, not on us. And Jeremiah goes, you know what? Boy, it's dark. I'm hurting. I'm suffering. I, I've been trying to follow the Lord, but I'm feeling it along with everybody else. But I remember, and it gives me hope. Because the Lord's love never ceases. It never ends. It's faithful. I remember his mercies that are new every morning. I get up, and, and, and it doesn't mean that you can exhaust his mercies toward midnight. It doesn't mean that God will say as you're praying, look, you're about at your mercy limit, Bill. Come back in the morning when the, you know, when the account is. No, it doesn't work that way. The idea is metaphorical. You can't exhaust God's mercies. God's desire to show you favor even when he doesn't change your circumstance. It's new every morning. You cannot exhaust it. And I remembered that. And I go, okay. All right. Even though I feel like I'm distant, I know I'm not because he loves me and he's loyal and his mercies are new. So this must have to do with something in his plan, his program. I don't have to worry because God is for me because he's decided to be for me. All right, then. He says, I remember his promises. He said, God can't make a promise that he's not going to keep. You know, like, you know what? I begin to think about the fact that uh, God made our king. I mean, it's been years and years and years ago, and I know he wrote it down a long, long time ago, but I remember David writing down that God told him there would always be a king through his line on the throne. So I'm looking around and the, the palace is burnt and I'm looking at the temple is burnt and I'm looking at the walls are destroyed and everybody's gone. But God made a promise. God made a promise to Abraham too that there would be more descendants. Sure, it's not going to end up with me. God wouldn't even let me get married. Read Jeremiah. You'll find out. God said, don't marry, don't have kids. I, it's not going to be on my, it's not be my descendants. See, you know what? I have hope in the fact that I am God's inheritance and he is mine. His promises are sure. His goodness is not dependent on me. I can't make God bad. God's always good. So I'm going to keep counting on that and I'm going to keep counting on the salvation that he's promised. And what did he say? It's good to wait on the Lord. It's just because his salvation is not here yet don't mean it ain't coming. This means it ain't got here yet. It's just as sure. Well, what if I miss it? You can't miss it. It's dependent on him. It's not dependent on you. If you are God's people, in Israel you were God's people because God created a nation of folks. But even within that nation, you could only be legitimately God's people if you exercised faith in what he said. The same thing is true for us as followers of Jesus. We're not Jews. Most of us are not. But we can only be a part of God's people if by faith we have chosen Jesus as our Savior. As our Lord, if we put all of our faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, I'm yours. You're mine. I have no other but you, and I trust you completely, not only for my eternity, but for my today. And then you're God's people. And when things get hot and things get dark, you can go, well, well now wait a minute. Now look, Jesus said this was going to be difficult. 
He never said that it's going to be difficult for everybody except for that landmass between Canada and Mexico. He said it was going to be difficult for my followers. So you know what? I guess he meant that for me too. But he, but he also said that even though it was going to be difficult, he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. He would walk with us through all of our difficulty. And, and, and we know he understands what it's like. And we understand that we can follow in his footstep. Not only that, he said he was going to give us a comforter, a counselor to indwell within us that would take God's word to us and, and put it in a form and fashion that we can put to practice even in this time in which we're living, regardless of whether we would call it quote-unquote good or quote-unquote difficult. We can follow Christ, and we can follow him with hope. Not I sure hope he will, but hope in the scripture is simply confident assurance. I have hope in Christ, and I'm confident in what he has said. I hope that we won't experience an appliance breakage over the Thanksgiving week. I hope We don't have the microwave go out like it did. I hope it don't. But I have no confidence in Samsung. I've had to repair it three times. But I hope it doesn't. I hope that lunch is good and doesn't give me food poisoning today. I hope so. But I don't know so. My hope in Christ is based on who he is. You say, how can you really know? And the world looks at us and goes, you're fools. You're counting on some guy that got killed centuries ago. And you go, yeah. And uh, if you would read some of these authentic ancient documents that talked about him coming in so many ways that you couldn't have made it up after he got here. And then that he was going to do so many things that eyewitnesses saw him do and say, you can't make it up. you got to connect it to the stuff that's in our possession right now. And guess what? There's a whole lot of folks that saw him killed and get up from the dead. You say, but that's just fable. These are eyewitnesses with more uh, grounding, more evidence in the ancient world than anything else we have from that period and beyond. The scripture is a phenomenon of literature. And I'm just saying, I don't have to worry about what you don't believe about what these documents that are well grounded in history tell you. They tell me, my God put on flesh, died and rose again, said he did it for me. And if I would put my faith in him, then like he rose from the dead, he'd raise me. And he'd give me a purpose for living in between now and then telling other folks about him. I'm just going to go with that. And it ain't about I hope so. It's confident assurance in him. Now, Christian, listen to me now. You're going to face dark days. And some of them are going to be real long. In fact, they may go years and years and years you might struggle in all manners of suffering. Physical, emotional, um, spiritual. And it could go on and on and on. But let me tell you something. There's, there's healthiness in being honest about that. Get it out, write down, get you a journal, write down your thought and say it how you feel. There's a health in that. And, and, and put dear God at the top of that and just lay out for him everything going on in your heart and mind. Lay out the darkness as you feel it. There's a healthiness in that. But when you get to the end of that notebook, If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to say, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. 
His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I'll hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for them. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. And it's good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of His discipline. And I remember that Jesus said, if I go away, I'll come again. I'll receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. I'll remember that Jesus says, I know I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you all the way into the end of the era. And you'll have the Holy Spirit and you'll keep walking and you'll keep waiting and you'll keep watching. And then I'm going to return. And when I do, I'm going to bring to completion all that we have started. But until then, just be faithful. And by the way, that's very likely to hurt. But I hurt. And God used it to glorify himself. When you hurt following me, God will use it to his glory. The faithful suffer, but the faithful find hope in despair. Peter reminds believers that their suffering is only temporary and that God provides deliverance for his own glory. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties, all your cares, all the things that arise in your life. Just humble yourself before him, wait on him, and as things come, just take them and hand them to him. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He wants to hear it. He wants to know it. He'll walk with you as you feel it. But be sober-minded. Don't be distracted. Don't don't get too caught up in the things going on around you, especially not in this world. Money, relationships, careers, you know, fame, fortune, making your... All that stuff is distractions. He says, be sober-minded. I know you got to have those things, but make sure that your focus stays on him. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You know how he devoured so many of us? By capitalizing on our pain. By capitalizing on our anxiety, by capitalizing on our worry, on our inability to know everything. All that stuff we were supposed to already have given to him. All that stuff that we can't control, he says, cast all those things on him. And what does the enemy love to do? Come along and whisper in our ear about those things that we should have already given to God. That we have no control over. Now, sure, he can devour us with temptation. We fall into sin. He's got us in the trap for sure. But every one of us, he loves to whisper about our pain and to tell us that God has forgotten about you. Because if he loved you, he would have already fixed this. He would have already changed this. He would have already done this for you because you know this is better than what you're experiencing. So God must not love you or he would have fixed it. And God goes, I never said that. I said I'd fix you. And then I'd use you in my processing of addressing all that's still broken. He's looking. He'll lie to you. He'll get you upside down and sideways. He says, resist him. Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. You're not going through these crises by yourself. Others have felt them before. Others are going to feel them uh, after. And some are feeling them with you. Whatever your struggle, you got to resist that with faith. Faith in what? Faith in the things that God has said that depend on Him and not on you. Verse 10. And after you've suffered a little while, well, how long is that? You know, a kid say, hey, when are we going to be there? In a little while. <laughs> My dad's a pilot. His maps were really small, okay, because they had to sit right here on his... I hated it when he did this, but we would drive. And so on my dad's little, little airplane, little, little flight charts, the maps were small. So, so the, the, the scale was real small, right? So like this right here could be like 100 miles because the map was so small. And I'd go, 
Dad, how much farther? And he'd go, oh, I don't know, about that far. And I'd look and I'd go, man, that ain't even a knuckle. We'll be there in a minute. And we wouldn't. You know why? Because his half a knuckle and my half a knuckle aren't the same. There's somewhere in Scripture that says a day with God is like a, yeah, let that sink in. Don't let it sink too deep because you'll get depressed. But he says, after you've suffered a little while, how long is a little while, God? I'll tell you, in a little while. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, he won't dispatch somebody else. He, he, he won't send you down to the next floor so that my representatives can have, no, will himself, after you've suffered, he'll restore, he'll confirm, he'll strengthen and establish you. What God is basically saying is, I got you. Y'all were here. We studied Ephesians. What did he say? I got all you need. Stacked up as high as you need it. To do and to be everything I've called you to do. Regardless of how it looks or feels in the place you're in. I got you. I'll equip you. I'll strengthen you. I'll establish and restore you. Just Stay sober-minded and focused so that you can see me amongst all this going on. Then there's prayerful endurance. The righteous, they suffer. The righteous find hope and despair. And then there's a prayerful way to endure. Lamentations chapter number 5. It is also a series of, of 22 verses. You remember there were 22 letters in the alphabet of the Hebrew alphabet, but this particular one is not an acrostic. It does not work out. It just has the 22 verses. Because most Bible students that have poured themselves into the Old Testament literature think that the prophet is just simply staying within the framework of the 22, but just pouring out his prayerful heart to God. Look, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, but I want to show you his prayer through just four verses. Jeremiah's lamenting concludes with this prayer that starts with remembrance. Verse number one of chapter five. Lord, remember what's happened to us. See how we have been disgraced. Did, did God need to be reminded of what had happened to Judah? No. But it was helpful for Jeremiah to remind God that he still was processing the things. You know, there's something healthy about us in our prayer to sometimes tell God things we know He already knows, but that are constantly running in our mind. You say, well, I think I, I've forgiven them. I told them I forgave them. But you know what it's like in your heart. You still think about it. So I think it's healthy sometimes for you to go, hey, God, you remember how, how that I was mad with so-and-so? Or you remember how I wasn't trusting you about this? And then you, you, you showed me, and then I put my trust in you, and that, well, I'm back there. So could you remember? So there's remembrance in this prayer of Jeremiah. He's just wanting God to walk with him in the now. Then verse number 16, Jeremiah says, The garlands have fallen. What's a garland? It's a crown. It's like a reward for someone who wins. The garlands have fallen from our heads. Weep for us because, what are those last three words? We have sinned. What, What is Jeremiah doing? He's confessing. The reason why we've been brought down several notches is because we've sinned. So Jeremiah's prayer is one of remembrance, wanting God to walk with him in the now. Remember where we're at now, God, remember? But, but I know that we're where we are because we've sinned. As we walk, as, as God's righteous, and, and I hope that's we're walking as, as righteous ones, even in our hope, we need to constantly be walking with God in the now but we need to be thinking about those things that need to be confessed both your sin and our sins and the nation's sins walking with him knowing the mess that we're all in but I see prayer of recognition verse number 19 but Lord you remain the same forever Your throne continues from generation to generation. 
Even though I need you in the now, and I want you to remember where we're at now. And I know that it's because of sin. God, I want to tell you, I want to confess it. But even in that, I want to remember, I want to remind myself that you reign. You're faithful. You're good. You're there. And you're not going anywhere. Your throne continues from generation to generation. And then last, verse number 21. Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. He says, I I just, I want you to hasten the day when you bring us back into fellowship. How how are we to pray in this time? In the now? With a heart of repentance, with a heart of confident assurance, and with a desire to, Lord, you could come on anytime you want to, but but, but if you're going to tarry, use me. I'm here. I want to be useful in your hand. In hope, we prayerfully endure and we remain engaged in our calling to go and tell. Listen to these verses. We've already learned them from Ephesians. Listen to them. Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Christian, Lamentations reminds us that even the righteous suffer. And that's okay. Because the righteous one also suffered and has invited us to follow him into that for his glory. Okay, but we don't suffer without hope. No, what is our hope? Our hope is in the risen Jesus. Jesus suffered to the end and rose again. He is our hope. He's our hope when we're suffering for his sake. He's our hope when we're suffering physically. He's our hope when we're suffering emotionally. He's our hope when we're suffering financially. He's our hope when we're suffering in all manners of ways. And as we follow him, as we put our trust in him, as we walk in the truth of the gospel, he becomes our anchor. And we can weather whatever if he's our hope. Our calling is sure. It remains our priority. And we endure, come what may, prayerfully honest and completely confident in the faithfulness of the one who called us and redeemed us. No matter how dark it gets, we possess the light of hope for ourselves and anyone around us for God's glory. Amen? Let's stand together. Jesus is not a good luck charm. You don't put Jesus in the backpack of your life. You don't sprinkle a little Jesus like pixie dust over my life every morning and trust that magical working of the magical Jesus to get me through my day. No, 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 no. But you can bring your sin that you know you have in abundance. And you can go, God, I I can't do anything with this. And I have no hope. I bring you my sin, and I believe that that Jesus put on flesh so that he could die in my place. And I believe he took my sin on himself when he died. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. And that, that, that my sin can be forgiven. I can be set free. I can be born and adopted into your family if I just take Jesus as my God and Savior. And so, God, today I'm trusting him and nothing else to be my Savior for eternity and my directional beacon for right now. If that's you, you can move from the ultimate despair 
to absolute hope today. Just simply by faith. If you know Jesus by faith, it's that same gospel that's going to carry us through, come what may. And guess what? It will. Or God's a liar, and we all know that can't be true. Amen? Father, we thank you for the We thank you for your love. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for hope that we have in him. God, I pray for that one who may be hoping in anything else, whether they're in the room today or watching online today or any day into the future, and they're going, I don't, I don't really know Jesus as my Savior. God, would you draw them so they would understand that it's simply about being honest about their sin, trusting in what you've said about them and what you've said about yourself, setting all others aside in order to take Jesus and Jesus alone as their God and Savior, as the leader of their life today and tomorrow. And I pray that you'll encourage them to trust him and him alone by faith. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself. We don't know what the future holds, but we know you do. We know you have a purpose and a plan. God, let us fulfill your purpose that you've called us to. We'll fear, we'll worry, we'll wonder. But in the middle of it, remind us that our hope is intact. Because our hope is in you. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us words that we might communicate honestly as a representative of your son. We love you. We trust you. We thank you. For it's in Jesus' name that all the ways his church said, amen.